God's design for marriage is found in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus said, at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Welcome to By Design from American Family Radio. Welcome to By Design. You have stumbled into an episode that features yours truly, Abraham Hamilton III, and I am joined by my wonderful, beautiful, amazing, intelligent, talented wife, Maria Hamilton. What's going on, babe? Hello, everyone. Well, guys, we're so glad you joined us in today's program. We're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. Uh, According to our second wave feminist-laden intersectionality CRT culture, this portion of Scripture should be edited out of the Bible. But thanks be to God that our culture doesn't have the editing privileges, that not a jot or tittle will be added or taken away. Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 24 says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is, him, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And that S word there, according to our culture, it's an expletive. It's a curse word. (laughs) It's banned. What is that word? Mm, Sub. Mission, 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 mission. (laughs) Now, some of you might have heard me just talk about this before. When the scripture says this, on the surface, it seems like it's merely an instruction to wives. Right. But the reality is it's actually a dual instruction. There actually is a condition precedent is the way we would describe it in legal parlance uh, in the text um, that actually imposes a duty upon husbands before you ever even think about wives. And very simply, it's plain enough in the English, uh, the word submission that simply says in that simply communicates that in order for a man to be biblically qualified for marriage. One of the primary qualifications a man must have is that he must have a mission from God. See, the the command to submit, and let's make no mistake here, it actually is a command. The command to submit, compound word, submission, the Greek word there is hupostaso, it requires that in order for a man to be biblically qualified to be joined to a wife, that he has to have a mission. When I've had the opportunity to to counsel young young guys preparing for marriage, I'm saying, listen, if you don't know who you are, you don't know who God has called you to be, you don't know what your mission is from God, do yourself and every sister in the world a favor by staying out of their way. Because until you have your mission from God, you are biblically unqualified. Until you know what your mission is from God, you're biblically unqualified for marriage. And I normally get that response, that silence, radio silence. What? (laughs) Because the command to submit is not submission to biology. It's not a submission to masculinity in a general sense. It's not a broad-based generalized submission to all males all over the world. It's a specified submission to your own husband that requires the husband, the potential husband, to have a mission. And what the wife is joined to and subs to comes under is the mission. 
Because companionship, and I know I got to get my wife in here, companionship <laughs> is a benefit of marriage, but it is not the purpose. Our society doesn't seem to understand that. Companionship is a benefit, but it's not the purpose. The purpose is the mission that God ordains from the two becoming one. I think one, not one, I think two. There are two reasons, I think, why um, it's difficult for women to embrace just that one aspect, right, of submission from the wife's perspective. I think it's difficult, one, because of our culture. Our culture says that we must uh, stand up for ourselves, that we must uh, show that we are, quote, unquote, empowered, that we can't let anybody tell us what to do, things like that. And for the Christian woman, though, though that idea is uh, quite wicked if we see it biblically, right, because we are to submit to God first, Every Christian must submit to God first. And we know and embrace God's mission. We understand fully what God's purpose and plan is for the world, I mean, right? Um, And we as women should willingly desire to... um, to come under that authority and come under that vision and mission. Mm -hmm. So God, in his wisdom, sets in place the husband um, to be the one in the local family unit, in the natural sense, if you will, to cast that mission and that vision. And so as a wife, it should come easy for us to submit to that because we already are submitting to God. But the problem is that, one, the feminism, you know, movement, whatever it's called, um, tells us that we need to be empowered and not, follow but lead and then also um our flesh says that um coming under anything is uncomfortable so we want to like wrestle and rebel well as christian women we are to be sanctified right so we come under we come under the god's authority first and then the husband's authority but we it, we dip we deal with i'm sorry we deal with the difficulty of trusting that mission and mm-hmm. that vision, right? Whether it's maybe not casted properly before us, or maybe there's um, evidence of hurts or pains or whatever it is, or tr- un, you know things that are, that uh, create um, lack of trust, where it's difficult for us to submit. So of mm-hmm. course, there's a lot of components, you know. Yeah. So you said we all know generally what God's mission is for the world. How would you just just uh, succinctly describe? that general understanding of God's mission for the world. Yeah, the gospel. The gospel, the Great Commission. Literally, the fact that he came in the flesh to die for mankind um, and that he instructs us to then, because of this reality that we are now saved and that we have been cleansed and forgiven and we can enjoy eternal life with him, now he instructs us to go and tell everybody about it and then make disciples Mm -hmm. of all men. So that mere instruction is literally his plan, Mm -hmm. right? And he's using the church to accomplish it. And so we can come under that vision and mission quite easily, I Mm -hmm. would say, as Christian people. And so the mission for a particular household would would be uh, how this individual familial unit will participate in the execution of the Great Commission. What is the particular venue? What is the particular lane, if you will, that God has carved out for us as a family unit to participate in this overarching plan to execute the Great Commission? Now I was going to ask you this, um, because what what you said is is, it, it presents two things to my mind. First, the idea of submission usually is approached not from a biblical standpoint, but from a cultural eisegetical standpoint to where we read into the scripture what we think without the scripture dictating to us where we should stand or how we should think. Uh, Because the notion of submission, and you tell me what you think about this, usually when it's popularly popularly discussed, it communicates um, a qualitative valuation assessment, meaning that, wait a minute, if you mean you're telling me I'm the submit, you mean I'm not as good as a man? 
I'm not, yeah. I'm not as important. I'm not as valuable to God as and, a man. Yeah, and so and so my my point earlier is, our flesh tells us that though, right? It's mm-hmm. the sinful flesh that wants to rebel against anything um, that is. Uh, that seems from the natural perspective to be binding or like w- w- as if we're restricted, right? And that's not the case at all. And of course, it's not talking, we're not talking about, um, but the Bible says this. See, this is the issue all, all the way back to the garden, right? He says that the the curse and the rebellion led to the woman wanting to usurp the mm. role of the man. So it's from the beginning, sin has come into this world. And so we rebel against anything you know, that tells us in our eyes that is restricting. Um, and so we have a wrong perspective of it. Yeah, often. Now, what I found <laughs> is that the issue among our sisters is usually not submission in the general sense. Right. The issue usually arises, what I'm saying, the, the rejection of the idea of submission usually only arises within the context of the marital union because often we have uh, women who are employed outside of the home in the workplace. Uh, they have no problem submitting to bosses if they happen to be male. <laughs> if we have you know, women in our churches, they have no problem oftentimes submitting to the pastor. But there's this contention when it comes to, wait, I'm supposed to submit to my own husband? And which reveals the, the reality that it's actually spiritual warfare going on. Yes. Our, we have embraced, as the church, we have embraced the cultural phenomenon that says that marriage is little. It's it's mm. not to even be—it's it's like worthless, mm. right? Because in the context that are valued, like job, That's like right. church, like school, like wherever it like is— Like quote-unquote leadership. Submission right. hadn't been a problem. But right. when it comes to the home— comes to the marriage reunion, there's a little bit of fighting there, a little bit of striving there. Yeah, I mean, and of course, there's a lot of components there. It's that mm-hmm. our culture dictating to us that marriage is not something to, you know, uh, be quote-unquote consumed by, or it's something that, you know, can be tossed out, take it or leave it. You know, you can be married or not or whatever, you know, and it's not valued. Um, but then also, um, we... <laughs> We want to remain in the flesh like mm. we do. We want to remain in the flesh. And so, it, you know, it's, it's quite sad because we don't understand the, the beauty and the, the bounty that, that it brings. When that, we, what is it? it? The submission. Mm. Well, marriage as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. But then also the embracing the, the roles that God has given us. And again, the competition is a flesh, is a flesh fest, if you will, right? Because I, I don't need to be you. I don't need to have, embrace your role. It doesn't mean that I'm less than you. I just, I don't want what you do. Mm. You've been called to lead the family. I don't want to do that. Um, it's not because I'm perfect. It's because I, I have, praise God, that he has shown me and my, has, my eyes have been opened by the Spirit of God to be able to see that it is not, it is not what I should want. And so I have asked the Lord to switch and change my desires from mm. the flesh to godliness. Lord, give me the desires that I should have mm. according to his will and his purpose. And so he has done that gradually. I'll give a, a um, short story about our background. Um, I grew up in Puerto Rico. Um, and so for all those listeners who are from a Hispanic culture, you probably can relate. Um, in, the, in the Spanish-speaking world, if you will, um, women embrace submission much more easily than our American counterparts, if you will, from my experience, right? We've been able to see, uh, and I, I don't, it may be, it's a cultural thing. Now it's abused in the Hispanic world. It is very much abused. Mm-hmm. So I'm not advocating for the abuse, but I am talking about generally how um, for Spanish speaking women has been easier in my experience to embrace submission. So when we got married, um, I was able to 
like a, an example of what submission looks like in practice would be okay the, the she becomes a stay-at-home mom right and so that's like oh, why would you do that in 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 our culture today but for us for me i was like yes i can't wait and i had a friend i don't even remember that was like yes how great like this is a blessing well other people that are, that in in our environment if you will um were like why are you doing this this is ridiculous like why are you telling him what to, why are you allowing him to tell you what to do why would you you know give up your years of whatever whatever and i was like oh my god you don't understand this is a blessing but the direct it, reflect i didn't tell you to do anything you did not ever <laughs> ever did you right it was the lord that uh literally revealed it to us and I, man i was like yes this is what i want but again there are there is a, a cultural reality from my background that made it easier for me to embrace the concept of submission um but regardless of that, as a Christian person, we must embrace it. It is something that is beneficial for the familial unit, but also for the impact that the mar- that the marriages, the families should have in the kingdom of God and in the world at large. Mm-hmm. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we fight against it. Um, but again, our culture is so aggressive that we've, like you said, we've brought in foreign ideas. And when we read the scripture, we're like, <gasps> because we're thinking about our culture instead of allowing the scriptures to speak to us directly. So I wanted to ask this question. I have something else I want to say, too. The first thing I want to say is as a wife, as a woman first and then as a wife, when you have a husband who has a mission, who has a, a, a vision for the family, and for leading the family, how does that impact you? Well, the first thought I have is that um, I have to be able to trust you as mm. you cast a vision, right? So, like, and I can see how there are some marriages that have a difficulty there because mm-hmm. maybe the husband um, didn't have the mission clear, you know, mm-hmm. for— at from, the beginning of the at marriage. At the beginning of their marriage yeah. or or didn't, or maybe made some wrong decisions. And mm-hmm. so it led to, well, I don't trust you. Those things are real and those things have to be dealt with and confronted by both parties in humility, right? But, um, yeah, I, I think that I have to trust that you hear from God. I think I know, I know we know based on our marriage, I was like, that's the one thing that I know God showed me early on. Like you hear from God and I'm, I'm rolling with you till forever because I know you're from God, you know? Um, the moment you start deviating from that, I start con- being concerned, you know? But um, knowing that you're from God and then secondarily, um, being responsible and trustworthy in accomplishing or leading our family in this mission, right? And it doesn't and, have to and be- things that God lays out yeah, and the, right, to, right. to pursue. And in the moments where it's like, okay, you know, you tell me, babe, I don't know what to do in this particular scenario and how to lead in this particular scenario, you know, I can't, what, what you do is I'm going to go pray. And I say, okay, let, let's do that. You know, you pray and then you're like, okay, this is what I feel like the Lord's showing me. Let's take a leap of faith. Let's do it. And I either can bash you for it or I can join you in it because <laughs> we're in this together. Like I always say this, whenever as wise, when we fight against the, our husband's leaderships. Now, listen, whether they have set a good example or not, when we when we're let's say, for example, they're trying the husband is trying to set a good example and trying to lead. Um, and we fight against that. We are literally poking holes in our own ship. Mm. Right. We are drowning with them. Mm. We're fighting against our own like well-being. So I think it's detrimental when we do that. Yeah. I'm thinking so many things at the moment. Um because it there there are several different things that are at play and I'm thinking about what about uh the brothers and and who had no idea that 
Wait, yeah. this is what I was supposed to be about? I was supposed to have a vision for my family and that to lead in marriage? And, and listen, let me say this, uh, because I the reality is most of us, probably, I don't know everyone because I haven't conducted a Barna-like survey of all men that are married in the world, okay? <laughs> but uh, most likely, most men had did not know that a biblical prerequisite for qualification for marriage is to have a mission from God. Nor did they, and then a lot of them um, see that in practice around them. Yes, and neither did many of our women see that in operation. But one of the things that I say repeatedly on, on my program, The Hamilton Corner, is that God masters. He's a master of using crooked sticks to paint straight lines. So if this is a concept that is new to you, or if you learned of this concept after you'd already be- gotten married, brothers, sisters, there's hope still. That is, that it's not over with. God can equip you now with giving you clarity and insight and revelation and understanding as to how you are to shepherd your family. We live that. You and I live that, right? Because we both come from experiences that were not, you know, the best. And so um, we had to pray. I know my prayer was, Lord, help me to be the wife that Abe needs. Mm-hmm. And I know you, your prayer was, Lord, help me to lead this family and help me to be the husband that, that uh, I should be. And so literally we prayed. God gave, gave us strategies and gave us, you know, methods and ways to be able to, to for you to lead this family. And, and he has done it without us having any firsthand experience. I remember feeling like, oh, God, I don't or know how to do this. examples around us. Examples even. around us, right. I remember at, at first I was like, Lord, I don't know how to do this, you know, <laughs> especially according to his biblical standards. You know, yeah. I didn't know how to do it. But God has shown us. And we can talk up examples if you want, but yeah. there's just plenty. Well, but even before we get there, I just want yeah. to continue encouraging uh, the husbands who are listening that if you hadn't started right, so to speak, doesn't mean you you can't continue well and finish well. Amen. And so I want to encourage you, man, to ask God for a vision for your family. You know, one of the things that the Lord moved me to do for our family, and you know, to uh, draft a mission statement for our family. And I actually, we posted on the wall in our home uh, because the goal there is to first and foremost, seek God for a vision uh, for, for our family's mission. We call it our family's mission. And then secondarily, to have a visible representation in our home so that we can continuously have the conversation that why are we doing this? Whatever we do in our family, it should be done in in an effort to move us toward executing this mission that we have plastered on, on, on our wall. And so why do we train our children the way we do? When I say train them, I'm talking about teaching them character, uh, catechizing them, teaching them the scripture discipling them, educating them through our home. Why do we do this? It's because of this mission. Why do we make these financial decisions? How does this financial decision impact our ability to fulfill this mission? How does our food consumption contribute to our ability to impact this mission? Our desire is for everything we do to be funneled through that mission. And so uh, if you're listening to this, I want to encourage you to ask God to show you, to lead you. What is your particular portion that you have to play in executing his grand, great commission? And Brothers, I'm telling you, God will reveal that to you. Now, the reality is, if you recognize that, you know, I didn't have this, I didn't have this understanding, and actually I've made decisions in the past that actually cut against, that work against what I'm what you're talking about right here now, Abe, guess what? One of the one of the major uh instruction points that I have to offer, especially for my children, and it's and for my wife to see, is my ability to admit when I'm wrong. 
to confess that, to ask for forgiveness, and to live out repentance. Yeah. Now, in the world's eyes, that might you might think that would make you small. Brothers, let me tell you, that is one of the most powerful things you can do to establish yourself as a servant leader in your home. Yes. Because it helps to cultivate trust in your wife, first and foremost, and secondarily in your children to recognize that daddy is a daddy that we can follow. Because even if he's wrong at a point, he'll be quick to repent. That's one of the major lessons from the life of David that's in Scripture. Uh, David was far from a perfect man. But what he did is when confronted with the conviction of the Lord, whether it be through the prophet Nathan or however it came, David was immediate to repent. Yeah, yeah, amen. I think that's what brings um, unity in the household and builds trust, but also intimacy, mm-hmm. right? Because if I, if we are in this together and the mission is given to you from God for us, right, for me and the children and everybody else in the family, um, and we are submitting to this mission that God has given us, um, we are on the same boat. Mm-hmm. And so when 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 you lead and or make a mistake or when you have made mistakes or bad choices that have led to distrust and pain, um, and there is repentance, and then you're living out that repentance, I can start, even with hesitation at first, but I can start learning to trust you and learning to trust that this is the mission from God. Um, there is always a starting point. Mm-hmm. We had our starting point. We did. Mm-hmm. We didn't know until we knew. Mm-hmm. And so well, there is a starting point, and then we just encourage everyone to seek God. And then for wives, I would encourage them to um, be patient to trust the Holy Spirit, because I think sometimes as wives, because we're a helper, we think we are the Holy Spirit. And so, right? Don't just that's real. Don't oh just speed gosh. by that one. Say that again, real yeah, slow. Yeah, because we are helpers, <laughs> and He is the helper. We think we are the Holy Spirit. And I think that's so damaging. It's so damaging. And we have had plenty of examples where I'm like, Lord, I know my position is right, and I need Him to hear this. Um, and of course, I want to tell you because I'm like, you have ears, you can hear, and I want to tell you, and I. And the Holy Spirit in that very moment because the Holy Spirit is not only for you he's for me too so he helps me right and he tells me be quiet be quiet I got him and I'm not over here praying Lord tell him this no I'm just like all right Lord I trust you Mm. and the Lord will drop something in your spirit that I know God had been showing me and I didn't have to be Holy Spirit I just let him do what he does um or not even interfere in what he does let me say it like that you know um and I, and I, we see we see the fruit of that, mm. right? We see that we are both growing and trusting the Spirit of God as He leads our family. And then I see you growing and following the Lord, and then it gives me confidence that I can follow you as you follow the Lord. Mm. I think that's the biblical order, and well, I know that's the biblical order, and so it makes it um, it makes it easier. And it's not surprising because, and, and I say this on my program as well frequently, the first institution that God created was the family. And the Bible is explicit. For example, Malachi 2.15, when when the prophet Malachi describes the one flesh union, he literally says, and what was it that the one God was seeking? Now, Now, think about the phenomenon that you have the creator of heaven and earth who alone has the capacity to create ex nihilo. You know, that's the, the phrase that means out of nothing. Out of nothing, he can create whatever he wants to create. But then to have the prophet Malachi describe that this creator God is nevertheless is still affirmatively pursuing something. Yeah. What was it that the one God was affirmatively pursuing, seeking? The preservation of godly seed. Praise God. His, his, a critical component of his blessing, giving us the blessing of 
the process of procreation, y'all don't understand what I'm saying, <laughs> is that he affirmatively seeks godly seed. And you know that when, when children are born, they're not instantly Christian. They're not born, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, uh, they're born unsaved, you know. Uh, but the Lord established a familial unit, particularly the, the, the one flesh union between one man and one woman for life, the husband and wife, to cultivate, to inculcate, and to um, establish godly seed, a multi-generational legacy of, witness, of faithfulness to Christ and witnesses of his glory to propound that generation after generation after generation. It's no wonder that there was massive amounts of warfare around marriage to mar the marital union. The Ephesians 5 describes the union between a husband and a wife as a physical depiction of Christ's relationship with his bride. My responsibility in our family as a husband is as unto the Lord. When I, when I, uh, uh, when I operate in our, in our marriage in submission to the Lord with the full cognizance that God is going to hold me accountable God is holding me accountable for how I conduct myself in our marriage. And the responsibility of wives to submit to their husbands is as unto the Lord. Guys, this is about worship. This is about worship. Amen. And the pinnacle of worship is not, you know, singing singing in proper harmony. Me, 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 me. You know, the pinnacle of worship is obedience. Amen. But there's massive amounts of warfare around this, simply put, because Satan doesn't want to see people thriving in what God ordained for them. The roles that God has given us is not a qualitative assessment. I'm not better than you, babe, because yeah. I'm the husband. You're not better than me because you're the wife. Right. These are the roles that God has sovereignly carved out for us to fill. Yeah. And as we fulfill them, we get the privilege of participating and revealing his glory to the world. That's what? right. That's powerful, which is why the enemy attacks it, right? He understands the power that the that the uh, that marriages can have to uh, impact darkness. And so he knows. So he's coming after that. He has come after that for generations already. We know that the divorce rate is is ridiculous. We know that um even even desiring children has been attacked, you know, without children are a burden. So he knows that the the familial unit is is um something that he will not tire in attacking, you know, mm. um, because he understands the power that it has because he understands that God has ordained it for his purpose. And so we must not allow that to happen as Christians. So if, if I could, man, I would just encourage every listener here to um, revisit God's design for marriage. Amen. You know, look at it again from God's standpoint and resist the temptation to allow the world to define for you the thing that actually is God's authorship. He's ordained the marital union to be one man, one woman for life.